your weekly Selk Grassroots podcast, brought to you by the Down to Play app. There was even a referee in the Football League, I'm not going to quote him, who got kicked off because he had a wee in the centre circle. He asked his linos to get to go, come on out, <laughs> and he had a wee. Just pop the flags up, and I'm telling you, I'm pretty, pretty sure some of those flags, you know, you know, you know <laughs> the, 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 he asked his linos, like there's fellas out there who'll be listening to this who can absolutely confirm this that he had, and it was a football league level. That's, <laughs> That's the mad. Now imagine that, that happening now. In the prem. <laughs> you know, like from people using the N-words and the red boy stuff, right back to what's acceptable now. God, he'd be sent to bloody prison, wouldn't he? Yeah. But that was just washed over by the pun. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I cannot believe that this... Mate, has any did the toss and dropped the cutting and said to the captain, do you want to pick He did the toss! I tell you what, he could have done hand, paper, scissors, whatever Rock, it is. Hand, paper, scissors, yeah. One, two, three. Oh, no, we'll stop that right away. One saw the box, mate. One saw the box. Oh, my God. We're going to have to put over 18 for this now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 11. Uh, I'm not doing what Martin does because I just don't have enough fingers. I don't think any of us do. <laughs> I hope that's a finger, Martin. So welcome to episode 11 of The Final Whistle with Ant-Martin and Nathan. Uh, gentlemen, as always, it's a pleasure having you on. Thanks very much, and It's great to be back again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to all our readers. I've had a, I've had a mad week. I've... I've didn't even talk. We've had a little chat before we start the, the podcast, as we do. I have a little catch up. I didn't mention at all. Uh, I thought I had COVID. I, I, I lost my sense of taste and smell, didn't I? A Thursday night yeah. last week, and I, I was working at the comedy club, came home. I always have spicy noodles just before bed, and I'm munching away and can't taste anything. I was like, oh, no, this isn't good. Um, so I booked in for a COVID test the very next day. Went for a walk in, um, and I was isolating at this point. I was sleeping in the on the floor in in the spare room because uh, obviously my my wife is eight months pregnant at this point. I'm like, I'm not giving her COVID, so I was away. I was isolated, and then Sunday morning I get a text through from the NHS saying, "Oh, your your results are negative," and I was like, "Yay!" So I forgot to even chat about that, but that's been a bit of a, a roller coaster weekend. Well, I'm glad you're well, mate. I'm glad you're well. We we there's a lot I know who's who got COVID-19, but he's one of those lads, he, he's not a referee now, so we probably won't listen to this, so I'll give him loads. He, he's one of those lads, we call him 11 a reef. No matter what you've done, oh, he's done one of Yeah. If you've been to Ken reef, he's been to 11 a reef. So when he when he, he, he texted me, he said, I think I've got COVID-19, COVID I said, no, you've got COVID-20. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad you're well, mate. Yeah. yeah really good to hear that. Um, but, to, to, to start off the episode uh, this week, it's been a, a, a big week, I think, for, for football as well. Just not in terms of what's gone on on the pitch, but what's gone on off the pitch as well. We've had um, in Norway, and Nathan, I'm going to pass over to you at this point because you know the, the, 
more more than I do. You know, you remember the fella's name for a start. I I don't. But if you want to pick this one up and just uh, get us started on that one, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Um, Tom Harold Hagen, FIFA referee since two thousand and nine. Um, he's been um, he, well, he, he's given an interview to a, a Dutch a Danish publication, um, a Norwegian publication, um, and and said obviously that he's homosexual. And um, I think that that's, I think it's a, it's a really positive thing. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I don't know if I've touched on it, um, you know, on here before, but there are a lot of, a lot of gay uh, and lesbian uh, referees in this country that are even, even in the professional game um, who are, are not open, but are kind of open behind the scenes. Um, and obviously we have fantastic sort of ambassadors as well. Um, you know that that are open about it, such as Ryan Atkins. So um, I think it's brilliant that obviously somebody who's an international list uh, official and who's done a number of games over a long period of time in his early forties, I believe, um, as as now obviously be able to, to come out as well and to be able to to kind of be another role model, which is I think exactly what we need because you know I know Martin knows uh, quite a number and and I know that Ant does as well through engaging online. I've seen. You know, obviously, with, with a number of, of, of sort of um, you know LGBT plus um, referees, and I think it's, I think it's brilliant that there's another sort of top level referee who's kind of an ally and somebody who's sort of very proud of it. You know, I, I, I read a, a bit of the interview uh, that he did, and you know, he said obviously he's been with a, with a man a male partner for 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 quite a while, and 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 it's not been a, a big problem. He said, I think he even said he's attended meetings uh, with with the you know with his partner, so. Um, it's not been a problem there. I think it's a great attitude, obviously, that they have in the in sort of in his country and, and the support of the colleagues. Um, but I think it's another great story, another you know fantastic sort of leader. Um, you know, in that sort of um, something that's unfortunately it's new. You know, I think I think it was thirty years this week or last week since since Justin Fashion who yeah. came out. <laughs> I think that now, you know, you hope that the way the world is, that, that people can come out in that same way and, and, and there can be a much more optimistic um, and, and sort of bright outcome. So what my take on this is, my take is, it shouldn't be a story, should it? No, it shouldn't, but yeah, this is the way that it is at the moment. The world is, isn't it? And, and I remember, you know, I've discussed this sort of thing openly, you know, there's so many things that people... Celebrate and rightly celebrate. You know, this is something to be celebrated, but it shouldn't be celebrated. This should be life, it should be no big deal. And there's too many things that should happen in life, particularly in sports, which you would like to think it just doesn't matter. It's, yeah. it's no issue. It's you know, if you want to be gay, then then absolutely you shouldn't have to yeah. feel obliged, you know, or the, like even with the Philip Schofield thing, he yeah. only came out because he got pressurized to come out, didn't he? Yeah. But, it become a story. I don't know why it becomes a, a story. I, I, I really always find it a bit a bit weird maybe because I don't judge people that way. And you know, a good person is a good person, and you shouldn't judge anyone's you know moral fibre by you know what yeah. sexual orientation is. So I'd like to take on that. But also, what worries us a little bit is that we um, all when this was going on on the Facebook page on Left Support, uh, someone got in touch with me and said. Mars, could you just put this out? Because it's, I know a referee who abandoned a game because a player got called a rent boy. 
by another player. And that team walked off and didn't want to play. Yeah. So I thought, okay, okay. And I had a bit of a thought about it. And I just thought, okay, yeah, I don't want to upset anyone. But I thought, no, no, it's just, like we do on our page. We do talk about the stuff other people don't want to talk about. Yeah. So I put it out there. Oh, my God. How much did that go off? Anthony, you were involved in an exchange with a few people. But one particular, without naming names, but, you know, you were really, really, you know, strong there, the there were there were 179 comments at the point that Martin, you said enough is enough here because there were individuals that were just like, so what? That, the ref is wrong. That there's nothing wrong with someone calling you a rent boy. Get on with it. And that attitude, I, I tried to draw a parallel and say, listen, it is homophobic. I got the definition of rent boy up straight away. It, one of the very earliest uh, comments or replies. I put out there was to people that are saying Rem Boy's not homophobic. What are you on about? So go on to Google. Def- definite. Uh, you can just define Rem Boy on on Google. It'll come up with the the top uh, dictionaries. Oxford Dictionary: A Rem Boy is a male prostitute, a young male prostitute that primarily sleeps with men. So it is homophobic. No one's no one's calling anyone else out there a gigolo, which is a male prostitute. They're calling you a Rem Boy specifically to demasculize the person that's that's getting called a rent boy uh, and 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 all that sort of stuff um but there were people that were just like nah nothing wrong with it crack on and i think this highlights especially how as arbiters of the game a lot of referees need uh sensitivity and diversity training because if they can't spot that what else are they missing if there was a racial slur and this is where I drew a parallel in those comments as well. If there was a racial slur, would you also be like, well, get on with it. Get on with it. No, I don't think you would. You would address it. And, and like I said, I heard a racial slur when I was a very young referee at university and I did nothing. And that still eats me up because I knew I should have done something. But at the time, I lacked either the confidence, the conviction, or just the stones to say, ooh, right, you've got to go. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and it's the same thing now. I'm a, I'm more confident now. I'm, I'm more convicted, and I'm a bit more worldly wise. And yeah. I, I will confront that when I see it, whether it's racism or homophobia or or any form of discrimination on the football field. As as the arbiter of the game, I'm saying that's not acceptable in society, but especially it's not acceptable on the pitch where I am in control of of yeah. not only the laws of the game but also the reputation of the game. What, what was, was interesting was was when people started, obviously other people were doing a comparison between racial abuse and everything else. But I think what was missed, I closed it down because it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go. I wanted it to be more about everyone's going to have their own. Everything can be interpreted. Game beauty is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? You know, so it's it's everything can be interpreted. But I, I, what I was going to put up is what I'll talk about now, but I didn't. Is that there was a very, very famous one of the Dambusters, I forget a second name, Guy, someone I can't remember. He had a dog and it was a brown dog. Oh, I know the name of it. And we know the name of the dog. Now, the, I remember going to a house to the, um, as a builder to do some work, and there's this big poster of him outside, a big Lancaster bomber. I can't remember a second name, Guy, someone. That proves the point. I remember the name of the dog, but I don't remember his bloody name. It proves the point on it. And then the dog was called 
N, the N word. The N word. Yeah. Now, that's that was acceptable. That that went into mass production. That photograph. Yeah. People sold it not because it was controversial for the name of the dog, because he was a famous stambuster and blah blah blah. That got me thinking again. I remember people the actual colour in Liverpool. I remember the generation of my parents and, and grandparents. There was a shoe, a shoe polish or a leather jacket. It was called N Brown. Yeah. Oh, I've got an N Brown. It's and it's this sort of not conditioning. It's this. It's ingrained, isn't it, Martin? It's It's absolutely ingrained in the same generation, and it's it's it's. I, I would equate it to, to referee abuse in the same. We're desensitised to it. It's, well, it's what we do. It's what we do. And that generation, it's what they did. It was used on TV shows. It was you know even right back to the the marmalade or the gollywog. You know that you know that sort of people use that as a, as a way of having a go. You know from a, a racial point of view, which. I think I think it's right that we shouldn't we shouldn't be doing that. And I always feel a little bit not guilty. I always feel a bit like not very credible because I'm a white man. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a white man. Okay, yeah. And, and I don't feel like credible talking about it. But all I can do is is talk about how it makes me feel. Yeah. How, how, and now I would want my children and my friends and family yeah. to view things like the N words and calling someone a rent boy. I think. Any county FA is trying to say that rent boy is not a homophobic slur, needs to shake the head a little bit. Mm. And how they try to justify it, we took legal advice. But I bet there's someone out there that was legally advised that was homophobic. Make your decision as the governing body of football and tell your other county FAs, make sure oh, this calling someone a rent boy is a homophobic offence. End of. You know, I've 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 I've, um, I've got to I've got to say that you know, for me as somebody who's mixed race, it's been um, a strange sort of um, upbringing because, you know, when I was at primary school um, in a, in a in a very very predominantly white area, you know, um, I think the northeast. I'm not saying that it's there's a racism problem here. Absolutely not. But it's, there's definitely less diversity than in the northwest and in the southeast. It, it just is. It's just the demographic of the of the public here. Um, and, and when I was at primary school, I remember an incident really. Um, and I think I've spoken about this in a blog. I might have even spoken about this on here before. That there was a, a kid, and he was he was yeah he was calling me the p word. And um, yeah, no, I actually remember it was like um, you know those like school school dinner trays, the plastic school dinner trays you would have. So I was having like pack lunch. They would have like, the school dinner kids on one side of the room with the pack lunch, and he and I lunched for him. You know, I lunched for him, and I pushed his dinner off the table, and then I got him by the collar. And um, you know, I didn't I didn't get wrong for that because I they they knew that this guy was was being racist towards me, and luckily that didn't continue into my secondary education and things like that. But it does make me you know realize probably how lucky I was that that was you know particularly at that time the the least that, that I had to deal with, you know, that it could have been an awful lot worse for me. And you hear the stories of other people, you see programs like, like the, the, the wonderful documentary that they did uh, recently on, on Channel 4 about how parents have to have the talk when they're black because they know that there's that, 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 that talk is going to be about, well, this is the racial opposition that you're going to cope against. These are the names that people are going to call you. This is why they're going to try and make you out to be a second class citizen. And I think that, you know, 
I feel very, very, very lucky that um, that you know, whilst I have had a really bad experience of, of racial abuse, that it, it hasn't been you know at the level to where it's been physical violence against me or whatever. And and you know, just to sort of add to what 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 Ant was talking about, where he mentioned the incident uh, with him as a, a university referee and, and wish he'd taken action. You know, I've I, I told you you guys privately. Um, already this season I've sent two players off for using homophobic language uh, one in a pre-season friendly and one a couple of weeks ago in and in, in both in youth football as well um, and, and I just think that it's really really important that we do that now because um, you know in particular with the youth football these are the next generation of adult players um, and these things like we said become ingrained and they fester and they get worse um, and, and we have to take a stand. And, 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 and like I said before, and I know I have said this on numerous occasions, last season was the first time I, sent, uh, I had to deal with with, a, with incident of racism within a game. This season's the first time I can remember red card and anybody for using homophobic language where I've heard it on the pitch, where they've said it right in front of me, where they know that it's, they're not even hiding it. They're saying it bold, uh, you know, bold as brass. Um, and that's that's the nature of the issue that we're in now and the world that we're in. You know, I've spoken at length about this in the past and I don't want to go any, any more about it. But, you know, I, I just, I'm just saying, you know, that, that for me to be now dealing with these racism, to be dealing with racism in, 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 in football, you know, the first time in the last couple of seasons, for the first time happening within the last couple of seasons, as, as we're supposed to be getting more progressive as time goes on, it's just really, really shocking. I think there's been a regression, though. I think that, that, especially in the past couple of years, and maybe probably since the Brexit vote, yeah. there has been a regression. And, and the people who maybe hid those racist or homophobic undertones mm-hmm. that they've had um, now feel a bit emboldened to kind of say them publicly or, or act upon them. And, the, I mean... I'm not one for looking too much into statistics, but the statistics um, from the police do show that hate crime has gone up since the Brexit vote. So I'm not saying correlation equals causation, but I, you know, just as a general feel in society, it has changed since the Brexit vote. Mm. Uh, one of the things I was going to say, um, first of all, I'm, I'm I'm sad to hear that actually, Nate, that that you know, in your generation, that sort of nonsense is still going on, mate. Really. Um, but one, one of the things I used to say to when I was coaching referees, still am now coach referees, but I don't use it as much now, but I used to, 10 years ago, I definitely used it, definitely used it. And it was a terminology. People used to worry about how they managed, you know, often of us, offensive assault and abusive language, and, and obviously any, anything like, like that. Obviously, we never tell them to manage, you know, racial no. homophobia, but never ever to clarify that. But what I used to frame it as, I used to say, look, if you don't hear it on a telly before 9pm, don't let them use it on a pitch. Yeah. It was always a watershed. The watershed was always like, it's probably still there on celestial TV, but it's changed, Anna, because, you know, you can watch anything anytime now, can you? So, mm-hmm. but as a guideline, it was almost like, you know, if you don't hear it on a telly before 9, 9, 9 o'clock, don't hear it on a football pitch. It's always a really good guideline. So yeah. in a million years, you could use that now. Just not, not in a million years. And, 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 I think it's sort of a, that's a small snap, you know, snippet of where we've gone in the world when you watch politicians. Remember how long ago did I mention dog whistle politics? Mm. 
Yeah. This is an example of that. People say things, and you know they're not saying what they're saying. Yeah. They're saying the other thing that you don't really hear. It's dog whistle politics. Yeah. And I think for for a long time now, these messages have been going out on TV, live, big personalities, big politicians, using it as a almost a very simple way to say, in what side of the fence are you going to be on on this? And I just think Brexit's a really good example of that. I think what's happened in America with Trump is a really good example of that. I think the way Trump uses Twitter is a really good example of that. And the way fans use Twitter to abuse referees is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's all just connected with society. I think we're at, we're at a crossroads with society now. And I think we're going to go one way or we're going to get worse or people are going to realise we need to do more than we are now. Yeah. And I just hope it's going to be the second option where we actually, all of us, try to do and be better individuals and, and, be, and be better people. I think we all want that, Martin, but I think what worries me, particularly as, you know, somebody who's there, uh, hopefully, I hope, hope, got, you know, another, you know, 70, 80 years left of life, is, is to be able to actually say, you know, we feel so, well, my generation, I know, we feel that the world is so divided at the moment, that there's so much division, so much, so many people saying so many things that are either one side or another. There's no middle ground with anything at the minute. You know, you look at politics, you look at how do, how do we deal with coronavirus? There's one answer, there's another answer. There's so much division. You know, that I think that's an incredibly worrying thing going forward is, is you know, all this division, all this derision, all of everything that, that's going on. Nobody can respectfully disagree with anybody now. Um, it, it just seems that we're in a, a really difficult moment that I don't know how you feel about this, but but in my mind, it, it's really come as a bit of a shock. It's come out of nowhere, really. You know, when I was growing up, you know, uh, 10 years ago and going through school and things like that, I felt the world was a much better place than it is now. I agree. Yeah, no, completely. I, th- I feel like this is, has been a societal shift towards... Uh, Everyone looking after yourself, looking after your own, and less about okay. So how can we protect the the weakest? Or I mean, just look at the response to um, Marcus Rashford's drive for yeah. free school meals over half term, mm-hmm. and th- there's there's literally two camps. One is yep, have the food out of my cupboards. Um, restaurants, especially around here in Liverpool, are saying bring your kids in and they will eat for free during this half term. Mm-hmm. And the other camp is saying, well, if you can't afford to raise your children. Should you really had children in the first place? Oh, you can't raise children, but you can still afford fags, or you've got a big telly, or you've got Sky yeah. Tell, you know, stuff like that. And it's it, it is literally two camps, and there's no one mm. kind of uh, just the, there's the balance from. No, I mean, there's I'm firmly in the camp of have the shirt off my back, okay. have the food out of my cupboard. I think we all are on here. Yeah, uh, yeah. The... But um, no, uh, but the, uh, and as well. You can't, especially online, there's a lot of anonymity, especially on Twitter. But even, I think, on Facebook now, people don't care if they come across as a, as a bit of a prick but with, with sharing their opinions. But the anonymity factor is kind of seeped into what they will say on Twitter. But you can't now have a disagreement with someone, like you said, Nathan, yeah. without, it's like, I can't disagree with your point without disliking you as a person. Yeah. And and that seems to have just just happened I, again in the past couple of years. 
So yeah. instead of it saying, oh, well, that's the way you think, that's fine, but we can still be friends. That's cool. Yeah. You've got a different way of thinking than I do. Great, yeah. brilliant. It's now, oh, well, you don't think the same as me, so I think you're rebelling and we can't yeah. be friends. I'm going to unfriend you. I don't need that in my life. Go away. And, yeah. that, and it's crazy, but that is genuinely, from my experience, what seems to have happened. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think that, you know, to bring it back to, to obviously how it affects us as referees, I think the real problem that we've got there is, you know, people disagreeing with our decisions. All of a sudden, we're getting situations like Satyam where, you know, you get a few smacks around the, the head and, and all of a sudden you're bleeding and, and, you, and, you, and, you know, you're on the floor. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. It shouldn't be happening. Mm. Um, and, 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 and I'm, I've, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll happily say it again as many times. What happens in society is reflected on a football pitch because you get members of society from all walks of life on a football pitch. And what's going on in society cannot be, you know, I know that people say, okay, well, football helps you forget your problems. And yes, it does on a personal level. But what is actually happening in the wider world is something that we have to deal with as referees. Now, we're not police officers who do deal with it in the wider world. And I think that that's something that obviously, you know, Martin's talked about in terms of being in a protected category, like police officers and ambulance uh, operatives and other people like that are. We have the same um, problems. I'm not going to say that our job is is on the same level as an emergency service, but what I'm saying is we have the same problems in terms of being, again, as you said, arbiters for football, but uh, football reflects society, reflects life. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's funny, not funny, wrong words. It's interesting that um, only this week I talked to Tim Foster, who's a director of grassroots football, um, over the Satyam case. He took time out to phone me and he's phoned Satyam um, because I don't, the, you know, the feeling I'm getting, you know, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say it, but I'm, I, he wouldn't phone me otherwise. He was generally concerned that that's being lowered and that, you know, when are we, that's why they have independent panels to do, you know, decisions that the FA wouldn't have influence on, but obviously this one's gone the wrong way for the spirit of football. But I talked to him about it, I said to him, we are, are we with this vulnerable role? You know, I give it to David Ellery four years ago. David Ellery tried to rehash it as his idea two years later. Here we are two years later, four years after I told him, nothing's happened. And he's promised us that he's going to look at that and see where that is going. If it's been dead in the water, if so, why why is it dead? And if it hasn't been dealt with, why hasn't it been dealt with? And let's see where we go with it. So that'll be um hopefully that'll be a, a good way to end this this part of the blog to say that you know hopefully something's gonna come out of it, protect referees and individuals in our game. One of the things I wanted to move on with the only reason I'm doing this is because people love our blog and some of them are saying, look, you stay on a, you stay on the same subject for an over a long time, but it'd be good to change it a bit, which we don't want to devalue what we just talked about. Racism, homophobia, and all that is very important. But we want to make sure that we give everyone, you know, a little bit of, of a choice and stuff to do on our blog. So, did you see the video that was on Twitter about it was a decision where the goalkeeper picks the ball up? There's a long ball being delivered. Goalkeeper picks the ball up and he's miles outside his penalty area. And these people were arguing that it should have been a red. You look how far out he's, he's twelve yards out or whatever it was. It should be a red. The referee only yellows and red. And I put up there and said, look. I think the interesting discussion here is there's no field of play markings. There's hardly any field of play markings. And we've always said, and we've said it on here as a learning point, always get your housekeeping right. This is a classic case of a referee not getting his housekeeping right. Simple as simple as 
the field of play markings and look what happens. Did you see that clip? Did you see it? I, I saw that. Yeah, the, the keeper came about, it must have been 25, 30 yards out of his box. But if you watch that video, that grass could have just been a bowling green because I know that the camera will miss things and whatever, low light, it was a night game. But the, even so, you, you could not on any part of that pitch pick out a white line for for a goal area, for a touch line, for the halfway line or anything. And if you can't see it on a camera in the low light, there's no reason why also the goalkeeper wouldn't have been able, you know, say he's, he's been disorientated by the lack of, uh, of, of lines. Yeah, so make sure you put the clip in here. So yeah, you, I'll drop it in just, just in this part, yeah. Nathan, can, could you go on Twitter now and have a look at that clip now? I mean, should you do that? It's, it's, on, it's on our... Um, it's on our... It's on the ref report. Yeah. Twitter account. And I asked the question here, you know, this is that there's times in games, even though we're a charity and we want to defend our corner, there's times when we need to put our hands up as a referee and say, we caused that problem. Now, the referee not doing his housekeeping caused that problem by starting that game. I know everyone's eager to play. Everyone wants to get out after COVID and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, let's have our base level standards. Come on. Yeah. You know, come on. We can start the game with the field of play markings looking have, like that. Have you ever been pressured by a club to get a game done when you knew that the conditions weren't right? Because I've been... Uh, onto pitches grass pitches that had been frozen so the, the the mud is like concrete but all 22 players want to start that game and they're saying oh it's fine it's good it's fine what what are you worried about ref no one's going to fall and break their arm or collarbone or leg or and there's a lot of pressure and i'm going to say intimidation yeah. when those players want to play that game and you you do feel like a dick for saying no but you know that it's right. It's the right thing to do to postpone that game because you've got a frozen pitch that is rock solid that will mess people up, especially when it's always the way. I check the goal area just inside the six-yard box because that's where the keeper's going to be jumping around. If there's any, uh, It's going to be there. And if that's solid, then you've got no chance. And I've had in a, I have in the past gone and you felt like a bastard for doing it, for postponing games for, for that, even though every single player wanted to play. Um, and I, I imagine that that is probably something that happened on the night as well. It's fine, ref. We'll just do it. No, you know, playing devil's say. advocate a little bit. And yeah. the only thing I would say about that, and which I think is a great learning point, that hopefully anybody who's listening to this or watching this can take, is always do the pitch inspection in your boots. Yeah, because because. I actually got that advice after I'd done I'd, I'd done one, and it was it was a it was a it was a cold day, but the sun was shining. And I was, and it was, I was, it was going to warm up. Um, but after about twenty minutes, my ankles were hurting because my studs couldn't get in the ground. Yeah, and I just, I just abandoned the game. Um, and in all fairness, when I reflect back on it, should I have started it? Probably not. Did I do the right thing to be with with the overhead conditions and the fact that it had actually warmed up a couple of degrees in my journey to the ground? But. I think I didn't. It was I was a you know newly qualified official at that stage, still learning the game, you know, and that was one of the things that I realised. Yeah, actually, we probably shouldn't have started because I've taken a risk there, and and if something had gone wrong, it would have all been on me. So I think that those are the things that you need to do. You need to have to learn, but I think it's really important. I have just seen the clip. 
Have you watched um, it, mate? Yeah. Well, just, by the way, I've just seen a clip. What I will say is, yeah, I totally agree with, was it whichever one of you said that he got disorientated? Because what I was doing actually was looking at the goalkeeper. Um, and the whistle went and he went, what's that for? And then he's turned and he's put his hand on his head and he's, he's realised. So I do think that, yes, I agree with, with, the, with the feeling that, yeah, he's, he's disorientated um, and, and obviously totally go along with what you say about the, the quality of the markings. The follow-up clip on that one is, though, the referee didn't send him off. The referee only cautioned him. So he's been sympathetic. But I reckon, as per the laws of the game, you're yeah. playing with that pitch, the keeper's got disorientated, you feel bad, but it's still dog so. Yes, it is, yeah. So it's still red. Even it though it's the probably the ref's fault for mm. allowing the game to go ahead when it shouldn't have gone ahead, if the conditions are the same for everyone, um, still dog so. So I think that should have been a red. The player has my most utmost sympathy, um, but yeah. as per the laws, should have been sent. However, just on a follow-up point, I'm not sure if it was shared on the ref support Twitter, but there was a follow-up. There was a different game, and there was a statement from a club that said, um, just an update, last night's game didn't go ahead. Uh, this was the away team. So the away team's turned up at this ground. Um, and the pitch markings were, were crap. It, invisible, let's let's say. Yeah. So the groundsman's gone off to B&Q and he's brought some white spray paint and he started spraying the lines. Um, yeah, other DIY outlets, I must point that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are. You could have gone to home base or, or anywhere that sells spray paint. Wix. Wix. <laughs> are, you, are you still fishing for sponsorship? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the groundsman started spraying these lines, but it's not working. He disappears again. And then um, this, this pitch is in the middle of a running track. And just at the time that the match is, about, is supposed to start, because the ref said, we'll delay it a bit while this happens, a running club turns up and they start their training, like as if this match had not been planned to go ahead at all. So the ref at that point said, all right, postponed. The game isn't going ahead. The home club clearly isn't ready because... The pitch isn't, isn't marked out. And now we've got a running club doing their training in very close proximity to the game as well. So he mm -hmm. called it. And the away team just put in their statement that this was absolutely the correct call. Much respect for the referee for, for taking that, that course of action. Um, I'll, I'll, find the, I'll find the statement as well. And I'll put it on here. But the, it, was as, it was not almost as a response to that one, but it was the kind of, well, this is how it should have happened uh, compared to with what, what did happen in that clip. Yeah. Well, when, when you know when when you say about people sort of pressurising you into it, oh come on lads, you know we got to play. Just do this. Just get a piece of paper and just get a pen and go. We oh, yeah, are mate. You sign that to say if anything happens, you're going to take responsibility on me. Yeah. I think with pitch inspections, you know, um, we need to have, have a little bit of advice here. I, I reckon, and for it, I'm going to do one with a serious point. I'm going to do one with not too serious points. Firstly, the serious point is. The problem gets worse when, depending on what type of game it is. Yeah. Also, depending if only certain parts of the field of play isn't stable, either frozen just in a six yard box, you might get shadows on the pitch, might you, where the rest of the pitch is lovely. It's really important to know the groundsman. Yeah. Know the people you, with the ground. Don't be biased to the home team. That's a bit different than it. But some of these groundsmen have been looking after that pitch for decades longer than you've probably been alive. They know exactly what's going to happen at eight o'clock 
on a February evening when the temperatures are that. Always really good advice to touch base with the with the grounds. And equally, if the weather's crap and the game goes on, thank him afterwards and say, maybe write to the club and say, Do you know what? That game only went ahead because you had your chairman, your secretary, the lads on the turnstiles, the kit man digging that pitch over with the support of your of the groundsman. So always recognize that, always, always recognize, you know, those sorts of things. But you said, put your boots on and do, and do a, a pitch inspection. Yeah. Right. I'd like to suggest the opposite to that in certain circumstances. Because right. you're getting a bit of grief beforehand. And um, one wants to play, one doesn't want to play. If, if you go out there with your, with your shoes on and you're slipping all over the bleeding place, that's very, very easy to sell and it's not playable. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that, Martin. But the problem was when I didn't put my boots on, it felt fine. <laughs> after I put my boots on, the other side of the room. She does the other side of the room because maybe I'm talking about when it's wet and it's slippery and it's you know yeah. what I mean. And so like that's the way I'm, I'm taking the piss of it. But I did get advised once: go out there with not proper boots on. That looks like or oh, oh, put your shoes on. Then then you can go, you can go out there and say. Jeff will take a ball. Jeff oh, yeah. yeah. If it's wet, particularly. But also, if you are going to do a pitch inspection and it's, it's been pissing down all week, make sure you've got two pairs of socks. Because if you do a pitch inspection, by the time you go back in, your boots or your shoes are filthy and your socks are wet. So it's like, people just think you just turn up in one kit. And we always say about having two whistles, two pens, yeah. two watches. I'll always say, take two types of footwear yeah. and always take on these two pairs of socks. Well, I, I put it in the chat, didn't I, Martin, a couple of weeks ago about how I forgot my cards and I have a spare set in me, I have a spare book in my bag all the time. Yeah, it, it, it can happen quite easily. You can, you know, obviously, I, I don't know about you, uh, obviously, but I keep everything in the same place. Every every game I do, I put everything in the, in the same place so I, I know automatically where it is. If I need to reach for something, I know where exactly where it's going to be. Yeah. And, I just, I just, I, I normally keep my book in my top left pocket and I'm feeling and it's not there. And I'm going, oh. And I'm driving. The game I was doing was actually 25 miles away from where I live. So it was a case of I'm halfway down the road here and there could in be a problem. Kids. In your kids? Yeah, because it was, it was this season coronavirus. Has, has anyone looked at you funny? You're not like, that'd be interesting to see what, what our readers. Stay on this. Is anyone like, you know, you're out of traffic lights and you're there and your referee's kit or you've got to stop in McDonald's on the way to the match and you get out with your full kit on. And everyone calls these like football players who wear full kit wankers. You know, like, <laughs> you know, wankers without even having a full kit on, aren't we, in their eyes? It'll be interesting to see. There's got to be some funny stories out there to get fun. It happened to me. People wear the big yellow, yellow shirts. Go around with me EA Sports on. I'm doing the <laughs> downs with me EA Sports on. And the driving along like this on the way to the game, do you know what I mean? It's like that. I've got some stories there. One of the things about driving to a game, Matt, I got told, which I use again, some of these journeys that referees are having as a team of three, and now having individual individuals, yeah. and they so we're all going to the games, you know, level four and above. There's nothing worse as a referee coach, I think. If you get to the game, you get there before the ref, and he gets out of the car and he gets up the car and goes, whoa. Oh, oh, he starts stretching at the, at the town. He hasn't got his tie on or his shirt's hanging out because he's had a two hours journey. Go and do that five minutes down the road in the garage or in the pub car park or the mat on. Don't do it. 
in the in the grounds where you're just going to try and sell it, you or Mrs. Professionals, you know what I mean? Oh, my back's killing me, my back's killing me. It's these little tips in football that you pick up along along the roofs. That tip can apply to any level of football. Don't get out of the car park at a football and that's going, ooh, oh. You know what I mean? But that's good, yeah, that's good life you, advice. Like, you imagine hey, going for an interview and you turn up and you're just in the car park looking like shit. They'll come yeah. be like, oh, is that the fella here for the interview? Ah, we'll, yeah. we'll call it already. <laughs> so, I mean, I've seen some horrors where I've seen like lads turn up, level threes and above. Oh, I better put my bleeding tie on now. In the, in the reflection in the bleeding window of the car. <laughs> Outside the clubhouse where they're all going to be marking you in two hours frigging time. Yeah. It's just, just, what does that sell, that club, that you couldn't be asked getting ready until yeah. you got the car there bleeding their grounds, you know what I mean? So just have a little bit savvy out there when you're traveling to these games, particularly now with COVID, and maybe even get out of, out of the car and maybe do a little bit of angel. That gets you a bit of brownie points. You know, like, yeah. before you go to the club. It's these yeah. little subtle things that... 1%, 1 1%, 1%. Yeah. All, all adds your all rounds professionalism. What we've always said in it is to hop, honest, open, professional. Yeah. There or thereabouts. No, it's funny though you said that about getting sick because obviously, like I say, obviously we're wearing tracksuits at the minute to, to go to games and to come back from games. And um, I, I, there was one just recently where um, it, was, it was this season and I, I was doing a game on a Sunday lunchtime uh, and obviously Super Sunday being on Sky and this guy went I'm studying I was in Sainsbury's the other supermarkets are available and some guy just started giving me a little second referee you spoil the game and then he started talking about a Premier League game obviously I hadn't seen because I'd been out refereeing myself and it was something to do with oh it was handball it was handball it was actually um, it was that one with Eric Dyer against Newcastle at oh, was, he wasn't even looking at it yeah and I, it was, it was, so that was a Sunday I'd been out reffing and I was in a supermarket and I got a load of stick off some bloke who was in the queue. <laughs> it was what unbelievable. As if I'd been responsible yeah. for as if I was in the VAR, as if I'd just been at Stockley Park telling them to do that. Did you flash your credit card at him? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, man, one. Oh, oh, they were left at home, I forgot them, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you left them in the fucking supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> you off this time, mate. <laughs> I'll give you two pence off. <laughs> I mean, it's funny if he had like a spare pair of glasses in his hand when he's just going to buy yeah. a spare pair of glasses. <laughs> that's mad. Again, that's, I bet you there's some stories out there, like I said. Yeah. God, again, I'd love, honestly, I'd just love to hear some of those stories. And then, oh, honestly, I've, I've heard stories of referees, you know, going to football league games and getting caught short on their way home and having to pull over on the side of a motorway and like, have a way you know they've been a guest in a car you know you can't even try to suggest that a referee has not come home from a game and halfway along goes oh my god I need to go the lap now and he's gone who knew I'd rather wet the car inside the US <laughs> never be behind a fence do you know what I mean? There's got to be some beauty. Well, that's the I'll thing. It, the post-match hospitality is always, uh, oh, I have something to eat. Or it, it, it was down the south. It's not so much up north. When I was in Sussex, oh, well looked after. Um, and so it'd be, uh, it'd be a couple of pints of Diet Coke and a little bit of food. So you eat that. And if you've got then maybe a 30, 40 mile journey back, yeah, of course, you're going to be like, oh, I don't know, I can hold this. <laughs> Particularly if you drank fast, in it, if you've been running around, and it? yeah, it was like really because you're so gotta hydrate, gotta hydrate. Uh, when, when I you know, like people, when you look at some, some you hear these stories now of linos and referees arguing, oh, it's my turn to drive, 
I want to get the expenses before COVID. Yeah. And some of the other stories I've had with level twos and, and, and two Vs, with the, the level threes, are, oh, I'm making my own way there, whatever. Uh, oh, I'm, it's my turn to drive. I'm on the expenses this week. And, and they argue over the, over the expenses. I've even had referees argue over, it's my turn to be in the front seat. Oh, my God. Last time I was doing I was in, I got sick in the back. And it's just those sorts of odd stories where you hear about like little things that have gone in on football. I swear to God, there's a book there somewhere. Definitely. There's a book of these horror, absolute horror stories where referees have... There was one a couple of years ago where a line slapped a referee around the face of the car park after the match. Oh, my God. Honest to God. Honest to God. I, I was like... I told you it was offside. Why didn't you listen? No, because it, it's like... I know referees from, from when, I, when I was a ref... When I was a ref, back in the day, out, come out of the pit, come out of the pit with me lap. We used to go out refereeing, and, and that, the referee, right? They were some of them told us always overrule your line out at least once during the game. Show his boss. We used to go, what? We just wanted you that far, oh, no, particularly the necessity. The amount of referees used to do like, <laughs> flags yeah, always on a toe in, always like near near the halfway line. We're not going to come for it. Don't don't give it. Don't give it a corner when it's a goal kick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And just to show your authority and trust me, there was referees out there. That was their game plan. I'm going to particularly the sessions there. I'm going to I'm going to overrule Bobby Lino just to show that I'm a kitty. That was that sort of nonsense. There was even a referee in the football league. I'm not going to quote him. Who got kicked off because he had a wee in the centre circle. He asked his linos to get to go, come on out, <laughs> and he had a wee. Just pop the flags up, and I'm telling you, I'm pretty, pretty sure some of those flags, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> the, 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 he asked his linos like there's fellas out there who'll be listening to this who can absolutely confirm this that he had and it was a football league level. <laughs> that's that's the mad. Now imagine that, that happening now. In the prem. <laughs> you know, like from people using the N-words and the rent boys stuff, right back to what's acceptable now. God, he'd be sent to bloody prison, wouldn't he? Yeah. But that was just washed over by the gun. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I cannot believe that this... Mate, and then he did the toss and dropped the cutting and said to the captain, do you want to pick that He did the toss? I tell you what, he could have done hand, paper, scissors, whatever Rock, it is. paper, scissors, yeah. One, two, three. Oh, no, we'll stop that right away. One sort of box, mate, one sort of box. Oh, my God. We're going to have to put over 18 for this now. I do think there's a book there, and I'm sure... Just imagine if he got a little, if he did a little book, the final whistle book of quotations, and yeah. some of those beauties, absolute beauties that are out there. We could Definitely. do that. We could just use our social media platforms and just say, yo, referees out there, drop us some of your maddest stories. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, give us yeah. a shout out. Yeah. Because I know for a fact, right, I know for a fact, and I know the referee and I know the liner, and I'm not going to say who you are, right, but I'm going to name the player, right, Jan Molby. When he was manager of Kidderminster, he was a nightmare. He booted the, the, the electronic board once, cost a couple of grand to fix. Amount of doors he went through was, was was absolutely mad. He was mad. He was manager of Hull as well. When he was that manager, manager of Hull, first ever football league game, I picked that one, was was exited against Hull. And I was made up because 
Jan Moby was going to be there. And I'm like, oh my God, phoning my brothers on the way down. I'm going to meet Jan Moby today. I'm going to meet Jan Moby. Well, tell us what he says. Tell me what he says after the game. No problem. So have a game. Give a dodgy penalty. I'll give a dodgy penalty. Definitely give a dodgy penalty. I think Exeter won one nil. After the game, my brothers phoned me. Dude, after the coach, did you meet Jan Moby? Did you get a signature? So they can't get a bleeding signature autograph. That was the bleeding Lionel. Can't do that. And it's my first freaking game. He said, well, did he talk to you? I said, yeah. He said, what did he say? He said, he called me a fucking little prick. Which <laughs> <laughs> he did, because I give this dodgy penalty. Even <laughs> anyway, Jan Moby was, was horrible, was horrible. And he, he, he still is a hero of mine. And he used to give the fourth man loads, loads of grief. Loads and loads of fourth man, loads of grief. And he was given this, he was bullying this fourth, this fourth official, not fourth man, fourth official. And the Lionel comes down, he was dead, dead funny. He was, oh, Lionel, you're, you're just as shy as him. This is, you, know, you need to get a grip, you've never played the game, you blah, blah, blah. He said, leave it out, Jan, leave it out, Jan. And the, and the fourth official goes, yeah, leave it out, Jan. He goes, no, my name's Jan. <laughs> and this big argument started. You haven't got a clue about football. You want to see the size of my. Trophy cabinets, said to the fourth man. The fourth man said, what, have you got any any medals for eating pies? Oh! <laughs> and he just lost his shit. He just lost his shit. So there's got to be, there's got to be loads of stuff. That is fact. I know it's fact. I'm not saying I was one of the match officials because I wasn't. But I know for fact that's what happened and he lost his shit. That's now you tell me there's another hundreds of them out there. There definitely is. And with our networks, we we will find those stories. And I love the idea of getting all these like little micro stories and putting them into a book and then oh, getting it out oh. there for charity. That's a that's a brilliant that's idea. A top chapter. And all all funny ones, which just proves there's an awful lot of cracker match officials out there. Yeah. Male, female, all colours, all creeds. They've got sense of humors, they've got personality, we have got character, we have got a little bit about us. I mean, it would be just top draw to capture all those, yeah. all those stories. Oh, it's just dead. I could rattle loads off, but I'll just bore you. But we need, we definitely need to get on that. We definitely need to get That's on that. That's such a good idea. That's a nice little project to, to get going. We'll do yeah. that definitely, 100%. Um, we're kind of tight for time today, because uh, I'm off to the comedy club in just under an hour for a... a we got a double header and the Paul Smith work in progress. Um, Paul Smith's yeah. going on tour next year. It's going to be massive, just to plug in that one. Um, gents, if you want to pop down to the Echo Arena when he's on in there, I'll see what I can do for you. <laughs> some um, tickets to our listeners, some tickets to our listeners. Hopefully, when COVID allows, obviously. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, so, yeah. Well, just one thing I wanted to say. So, I was going to say, if there's anything you want to just wrap yeah. up with, now would be the great time. Yeah, it, and I, I don't want to obviously end it on a down note, but I think a lot of people have seen um, this week, and I know that. Um, Troy Townsend made a big, um, you know, Troy Townsend from Kick It Out, he made a big thing about this. Um, a young player um, from, from Manchester City, uh, he, he was released over the summer and um, and he, uh, he unfortunately committed suicide earlier this week um, owing to the sort of mental anguish that he, he'd faced, uh, you know, since he'd, he'd been released by the, by the football club. Um, and, and, and I think, obviously, look, the, the, this is a big thing that obviously needs to be talked about at length. But I, I just think that it's, it's really, really important that, you know, and I know we've talked about, um, I remember we talked about Referee Academy uh, that you spoke about, and, you know, and, uh, and obviously all the, all the key you get, whether you're in core, whether you're in Referee Academy, whether you're in whatever it is that, that's looking talent group or whatever it is. Um, and I just think that, you know, 
we, we, we all always talk about that. We always think about these things about, you know, being part of a prestigious club like Manchester City. You know, I've, um, it's no secret that, that I, um, I was at university in Manchester and I, I was a big, um, we used the, we used the training ground, we were in the training ground quite regularly at, at uh, the Etihad campus and, and I saw a lot of uh, the players, you know, that were coming through, the young players in particular, um, and I used to see them, you know, what Manchester City provides, they provide a private education up to the age of 18, whether you stay um, as a contracted player or not. And I think that, um, you know, that's a wonderful thing from an educational point of view, but imagine that you were there for one year and you got released and then you've got to go through the rest of your secondary education with lads who are, with lads like Phil Foden, you know, who are, who've got an opportunity to come through at the first team and are going to hopefully, you know, you would think that oh, all being well going to play 100 games in Premier League at least. Um, and um, and it's it's just a massive, massive sort of mental anguish that you have, I think, going through that system and, and dealing with all of that um, and, and losing out on it. So, you know, we've talked about referees coming out of core and coming out of things and not being support there, but I just think it's really, really important that, that we highlight, you know, whether you're in core as a referee or you're in a referee academy as a referee or whether you're in a football player, in, in, uh, in a football club, sorry, as a football player and you have the opportunity to access private education and you have the opportunity to access... Um, you know, all the facilities that the Etihad campus has, which is absolutely unbelievable. You know, the facilities are, you know, I'm sure we've all seen them and, and all know exactly what's going on there. Um, wonderful, wonderful facilities. And, and just dealing with it, you know, I, I've got friends who, are, you know, I've said this before, I've got friends who are professionals. And one, one of my friend, friends who's, a, who's actually a current pro, um, he actually was released by a now current um championship club um, at the age of 14 um, and he, he did end up going back to professional football but he, he took two years out because he felt that he'd lost his childhood from being nine to being 14 from getting picked up at school uh, and driving about you know 25 miles to the training ground after school that was his after school he didn't get going you know play with his mates or do anything like that he was he was into football straight away and then home and bed and school and, and back to the training ground. So a lot, he felt like he lost out on a childhood, so he took some time to try and get that back. And I just think it's really, really important that, you know, not everybody is as level as that. And, and some people give absolutely everything to be, make sure that they become a professional footballer. And I think it's the same for referees as well, giving absolutely everything. And it's about being a whole person and, and looking after your, your, your mental well-being overall. And I think obviously, you know, you guys know I talk a lot about mental health. I talk a lot about mental well-being and try to do the right things to make sure that we, we maintain a good level of mental health, particularly in the circumstances that we're in at the moment with the, with the pandemic and things like that, where you know we have severe restrictions on our movements and limitations on our freedoms. Um, I just think it's really, really important to highlight this. I think it's very, very sad. Um, I'm very, very sorry to hear that this has happened. And I think it's, it's a marker in the sand again. You really, really hope that something's going to get done about this, that exit strategies are going to be formulated um, so that things are done properly because a young lad, 17 years old, whole life ahead of him, not going to be divined as a footballer, had so much to offer. You know, he's gone and, and it's just incredibly sad. Yeah, well said, mate. Yeah, there's well nothing really to add to that. That's that's so succinctly put and it's you've hit the nail on the head. Hopefully, lesson, lesson learned. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, let's let's wrap it up on that one. Um, as always, everyone, thanks very much for watching. Hope you've enjoyed this episode, gentlemen. Uh, as always, thanks for for jumping in. And um, 
as always, uh, look forward to the next one. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll see each other through the, the various social medias uh, until next time. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. Thank you. And see you all soon. Having trouble tracking who can play and who can't? Download Down to Play before your next match. The first app to purely focus on player availability. Get Down to Play for free in the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability.